grad student. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take a moment here. I want you to close your eyes. Take a nice, deep breath. And I want to let you know how grateful I am that you are listening to this episode. And presumably that you have listened to other episodes of this podcast. For many of us, 2020 was the worst year of our life. I'm not exactly sure where it stands for me and my own rankings, but in general, it was awful. And then there's you, this podcast, you people who keep coming back and listening, the small glimmer of light and hope that carried me to 2021 and onward. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for this amazing first season. For more than 4,000 followers on Twitter, more than 1,000 followers on Instagram, more than 20,000 downloads in 10 months, and for helping me find my voice, self-confidence, and for allowing me to take up space. Thank you and welcome to the season finale for the first ever season of Dear Grad Student. Also, I lied. This is absolutely the season finale, but if I were you, I would keep an eye out for a bonus episode dropping on the most important holiday of the year, June 24th. If you don't know what I'm talking about, no worries. I haven't really talked about this. That's on purpose. But if you do know what I'm talking about, you should feel very excited for this. It's going to be a ton of fun. But before we get to today's episode, I need to say a very, very, very special thank you to the people who have monetarily supported the podcast this semester. I know I either avoid this topic or I joke about it, but like in all seriousness, podcasting and website hosting and getting transcripts and spending hours a week on the podcast and promoting and all of that is really expensive in both time and money. And I have the same grad student stipend and schedule as all of you. I love this podcast. I love what I do, but the support from podcast patrons have seriously helped make it possible for me to continue doing all of this and for allowing it to grow. Those incredible human beings are Jeremy Gloger, that's my baby brother, Ryan Science, aka Ryan Lynn Brown from episode 9, Kara Davidson from episode 11, Hannah Olson from episode 16, Jessica Simpson, Katrina Dean from episode 14, Nicole Lewis, Brianna Williams from episode 30, Vikram Baliga, the host of the Planthropology podcast, Anna Stubbs, Davis Bourne, Hannah Shows from episode 28, Jacqueline Siegel from episode 20, Faith Newsom, my mom, hi mom, and Brittany Hockey from episode 35. It is honestly annoying how often I say this, but thank you all so much. If you want to join this amazing list of people, you can find out more at patreon.com slash deargradstudent. There are $1, $3, $5, and $10 a month options. Some amazing things that these patrons have made possible this semester include the podcast website, which you can find at deargradstudent.com, merch, which you can find on Redbubble, and the podcast officially has a podcast transcript wizard who I am able to pay for his amazing work transcribing podcast episodes and who you will know from episode 17, Caden Stockwell. You can find him on Twitter at Caden Stockwell or on his website, cadenstockwell.com. 
Transcripts are currently available for episode 17, part 1 and 2, the trailer episode, and episode 1's transcripts are coming soon, and then we're going to do transcripts in order starting from episode 1 and upward. And with that, I suppose all that's left there is to do is head into today's episode. Today's episode is all about being queer in academia with second year master student and co-host of the LGBTQ STEMcast podcast, Annabelle Gong. Listeners, welcome to the finale episode of the first season of Dear Grad Student, the podcast where grad students can come together to celebrate, commiserate, and support one another through this long and difficult journey. I'm Alana. I'm a fourth-year doctoral student and your host, and I'm joined today by incoming second-year master student studying the migration of sharks and rays and co-host of the LGBTQ plus STEMcast podcast, Annabelle Gong. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, you're so welcome. Thanks for being on my season finale. I know that you didn't know about that until five minutes ago, <laughs> um, but thank you so much. Honestly, blessed. <laughs> I'm so glad you feel that way and that you're not like, this is horrifying. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm, this is terrible. First off, right, it's the month of June. June is Pride Month. I've seen a couple of tweets where people in May were like, I'm already tired of the companies who are giving a shit about queer people for a month and a half. Oh, yeah. Luckily, both of us are queer, so... <laughs> We're queer all the time here. And thank you yeah. for joining me for a special queer episode, even though I've had others. I'll link them below. You already know about it, folks. But. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and tell the people where they can find you on social media. So where can folks connect with you online? You know, if they're loving what you say or if they want to find the podcast that you're on, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at LGBTQ STEMcast. That's S-T-E-M-C-A-S-T. You can find me on Twitter at Annabelle Gong, A-N-N-A-B-E-L-G-O-N-G. I also stream on Twitch, so I play like video games and just like make a fool of myself on live television. Um, You can find me on Able Games, (laughs) A-B-E-L-G-A-M-E-Z. I'm so into this. Hang on, because now you've got me going, what do you stream? Um, Right now I've been streaming Pokemon Snap, which is, wow. So I'm a behavioral ecologist. I study like movement. And so everything in that video game is basically my dream come true in the Pokemon world. Oh it God. is just incredible. Um, yeah, I'm obsessed. Why is that the cutest thing I've literally... See, this is why I like talking to academics about what they do outside school, because it's just like the best thing you've ever, like, ever heard. Like the second you said Pokemon, I was like, wait, oh my God. <laughs> this is like... It's like fantasy research. It's like... Oh, totally. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. And do you play... Is it like PC? Is it a different, like, what console? Um, I like? play on the Switch, but I also mm. play some PC games. Uh, I just finished playing through Undertale. have been playing some random indie games that I found. Mainly just Switch and PC stuff. <laughs> nice. I honestly am... I'm so in awe of people who stream on, on Twitch because you don't get like a redo like you really are live kind of like what you said I think about me with this podcast and how many times I like re-say something or like I go back in editing and I'm like wow that was five minutes of something I said four times yeah I'm gonna take that out and you don't have the option for that so I'm like very impressed by anyone who's willingly putting themselves out there in one go Yeah, it's honestly horrifying, especially when there's tech (laughs) problems and you just have to sit there like tapping on your computer and being like, sorry, guys, 
got some tech problems. Uh, just hang in there for a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I'm really into like recently. This is like as in childhood, I was very into like all Nintendo games, like Mario Sunshine. Like you couldn't mess oh, with that me. Was like a good one. I yeah. it was it, man. Like it was it. I was upset. Well, I'm currently obsessed with like simulation games so the sims duh that was like my my foray into it all when i was like in ninth grade i still play it now but i've been really into like the new version of roller coaster tycoon which is planet coaster so honestly i've been playing i've played like 20 hours this week like it's so bad like (laughs) i cannot stop i'm just like really into it i'm like building a park right now that's half sci-fi half western and it's just a whole i'm just like really really deep into it so i feel kind of understood and i'm really glad you're here (laughs) oh always here to understand the video game nerds i've recently gotten back into fortnite which is really unfortunate (gasps) but i love that reflection so honest so honest yeah that's that's the dark side of me that we don't talk about (laughs) fortnite is the dark side you know my partner really into apex legends Ooh, i haven't tried that one yet he's like deep deep. it's like the only game he plays but like similar to me like he'll play 15 20 hours a week with like one of his friends from college it's great because he'll be playing that on the tv and then i'll be next to him with my laptop and like these giant headphones and i'm like building a roller coaster and like (laughs) we are so boring but it's great it works out so well i love it (laughs) Well, why don't we go ahead and jump into today's episode? I want to start by talking a little bit about what you research so that anybody listening like has some context for who you are, where you come from. I know we, I've mentioned sharks. You've mentioned behavioral ecology and how that relates to Pokemon, which is honestly, I feel like a paper just waiting to be written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you research? Like, what's your thing? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I... I am a master's student, as you said, at the University of San Diego, not to be confused with UC San Diego. Two different entities, Whoa, apparently, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the private Catholic university at San Diego. So for my undergrad research, I studied um, the social and movement behavior of leopard sharks using drone footage, which was super awesome. I just got to sit on the beach and fly a drone around, (laughs) record some sharks swimming around, and then put it into a computer. That's when the hard stuff comes in, though, is, like, coding the the stuff and, like, analyzing the data and stuff like that. I was actually planning on continuing that for my master's research and was, like, on track doing the field work for it in August of 2020, until my drone crashed into the ocean, which was really cute. Oh it's my not gosh. my drone. Oh <laughs> it was no. my advisors. <gasps> yeah. So that oh, was yikes. super fun. <laughs> uh, what so what what happened? You didn't have to replace it with your own money or anything. Oh right? no, 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 no. Oh, Luckily that was easily replaceable. Um, I just felt so poor for like 30 seconds. I was like, oh God, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Do Everything you need to was fine, like funding wise. Um, oh, good. The department took care of it. Apparently, you know, the movement sensors over water uh, or the height sensors over water don't quite like register that there's water underneath the drone and good. it just kind of automatically lowered itself into oh, so it just, like- <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> Just wanted to go swimming. Yeah. It was jealous yeah, of the just wanted to take a dip, you know? That's right. Yeah. And so I had to, like, ask a random swimmer man to, like, go swim out and, like, find my drone. Oh he, like, recovered, God. like, the drone. And, like, it also had a temperature logger attached to the end of it. So we had a parachute cord 
with this like little temperature logger. So he like brought up everything. It was like a mess of like string. <laughs> and he was like, is all of this yours? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like in tears and I was like, thank oh. you. <laughs> oh my God. I would have been devastated. That's so yeah. stressful. Yeah. And especially with all this COVID stuff too, it was just like, everything's going wrong kind yeah. of thing. Um, but luckily my advisor was so kind to give me a data set of this long-term data set of guitar fish and bat ray data. So shovel nose guitar fish and bat ray data that had been going on since like 2014. Now I've been analyzing that, looking at where these guitar fish and bat rays have been moving along the Southern California coast, which is super, super cool. Um, have been seeing some really interesting patterns. We still don't know where they're going in the winter time, but it's fine. Whoa. But yeah, it's it's been really interesting to analyze this data and it's completely remote work because I'm just doing tip tapping it on my computer. So yeah. You gotta love a job that's a lot of tip tapping. Also, <laughs> I saw this on Twitter once and I like can't get out of my head. Just that like people who do like space research, like astrophysicists and things like that, where like there's so much unknown, is like very similar to people who do any work with anything relating to the ocean, just because there's so much of it we don't know or just don't have data on and don't understand. Like, for example, the fact that like you have all this data on like the migration of these these species. And we're in 2021 and you're like, we don't know where they go. Like, yeah, we have like we <laughs> research these and these species, animals, whatever you want to call them. And like, we literally don't know. And like the world is at a place of like mRNA vaccines and like all these different things. But like, where do these sharks go? We don't know. So yeah, I think we it's really, literally don't. <laughs> it's so cool that like it's gosh, I'm going to be so cliche. A whole universe unexplored. But it kind of is. And I think it's really cool when anyone, first off, I'm jealous, right, that your field research is like sitting on a beach with a drone, <laughs> which is like also very 2021. I'm like, yeah. I know, like, right? Get it. Get it. That's awesome. But I'm kind of similar to you where I do like in-person research visits with the older adults that we like have a grant to study. But mostly I'm just sitting with data sets that already exist and I'm also tap tapping away. And so I very much relate to that. It's also like not the worst. Turns out I like don't really mind that. Yeah, it's nice to just kind of, you know, grab some tea and just sit down. You and can do pants. it like really late at night. You're just like, I need to find out where everything is going. Yeah. And you just have like some jazz playing in your ear, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like angry snack breaks when it doesn't work out. And you're like, I need a cheese stick. That's me. <laughs> Well, all right. So you do sharks and you used to sit on a beach and collect yeah. shark data, but mostly you tip tap, which same, I also tip tap on my computer. You also co-host a podcast about LGBTQ plus and queer scientists and academics. I like this podcast. I'm on your discord. I'm going to link the discord below for folks to join if they're also a fan of your podcast. Tell me a little bit about how it got started, what the podcast is. Take me on the journey, if you will. Yeah. So I just want to preface this by saying this was not my idea. Nice. <laughs> I was actually, so Felix, yeah. my other co-host, who actually also loves Apex Legends, <gasps> might I add. Um, <laughs> he is a, he just finished his second year of undergrad at a university in Puerto Rico where he studies ecology. And he, so last year he was about to start his second year and he just kind of had this idea. And, you know, since it was lockdown, he was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, ask some people on Twitter if they want to do this thing. And, <laughs> What's you know, that asking, like? I yeah, can't relate at all. <laughs> to do a thing on Twitter 
it spreads fast. Um, yes. And so I was one of the people who saw this thing on Twitter and I was like, oh, cool. A podcast about LGBTQ plus scientists. I'm LGBTQ plus. I'm a scientist. There you go. I just, you know, filled out this Google form, blah, blah, blah. Looking back, I was like number 56 on the list um, of people who signed up. Wow. But he had actually reached out to me because like sharks are cool, blah, blah, blah. Nice. Um, (laughs) Does the shark thing give you like street credit like that? Like do people hear sharks and they're like- Oh, oh my God, that's amazing. I get like (laughs) infinite bragging rights. You know, people just like love me when they find out I study sharks. It's great. (laughs) I'm like 10 times cooler now. Oh my God, that's amazing. All right, keep going, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Felix and I got onto a Zoom call just to like plan out an episode. I think I was going to be like his second episode he was going to record. And I was like, so like, who else is doing this? Who else is co-hosting us like tell me about yourself and he like told me he was like yeah it's just me and I was like huh you're a second you're undergrad and you're doing all of this by yourself and I was like okay so I have some experience facilitating storytelling out of people because I actually organized a semesterly event at USD called My Story which is kind of like a TED Talk style like event except it's more based around storytelling so I was like this is something I can like help you with. And, you know, audio editing, I've dabbled in that. So I was like, hey, if you ever need help, just like, let me know. And ever needing help turned out to be co-hosting the podcast with him. And so like, yeah, I've been in the podcast since the very beginning, pretty much. And it's just been so awesome. And we've, I don't know how many episodes we've done already, but it's just been super cool to meet new people and um, listen to all these really unique stories of of folks around the world. That is amazing. I knew that you had come on a little bit later. I knew it wasn't your idea, but I think it's really cool like hearing about this. First off, I'm relating a lot to Felix as I'm hearing you speak because I was also in quarantine. Like I want to connect with grad school. I feel all distant from it and weird. Like, am I a grad student? And then I looked and there were a lot that were like info based, but there weren't a lot that were like, hello, I'm a person. I'm flailing around and I'm getting a PhD. Like, let's flail. I didn't have that. So I made that. (laughs) But I have been doing it. I mean, in quotes here alone, every single guest I've had has been the only reason that this has made anything, you know, at all. So I'm not going to be like, F the guests, like they didn't contribute, like they are, the whole podcast are my guests, to be honest. But in terms of like the editing and the promoting and creating all the content and, you know, everything has been me on my own otherwise. So I relate to that a lot. I'm really happy that Felix had you. And I know that you also have another co-host part of your team as well. So I think it's awesome to work on a team. I would love to hear a little bit about, I mean, clearly if you were 56th on the list, (laughs) there's interest, right? People want to hear from queer scientists. And I just am saying queer because LGBTQ plus is a very long term to say, but queer in capturing, you know, scientists who are not cisgender and straight only. So tell me a little bit, why is this such an interest point? Like why why were there 56 people who reached out in the first couple of days? Like, what's the big deal, you know, for anyone listening who's like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if there was interest, there must have been a hole or some sort of demand for this. So I think, especially in queer spaces, you know, queer Twitter, queer science Twitter is like huge. Huge. But I don't think there was a single way to connect 
everyone together. Everyone was kind of in their little subsets or just in like this big pool. Like everyone kind of knows each other, but there wasn't one thing to kind of meld everyone together. And I think the STEM cast does that in a way that's really unique because, you know, you're hearing these really interesting stories, stories that a lot of people can relate to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really interesting and really cool about our podcast is that these people come from different parts of the STEM field. They come from different identities, but we're finding each other in these episodes. We're seeing aspects of ourselves in these episodes and it's really cool. And yeah, it's been super awesome too, because our other co-host EO is actually my like best friend from middle school. Oh, um, that's so beautiful. Yeah. So getting EO on the podcast and like working on the podcast has been just super awesome because it's like, these are people who are like right down the street from my house who, who can relate to these things. And, you know, it's also been super awesome because like people like my family, they are big time listeners of this podcast. My dad like religiously watches it or listens to it every week. Oh my God. Um, And it's like a learning opportunity for, for folks who want to learn more about the queer community and like what's going on in like queer science. And it's, yeah, it's been super awesome. I, first off, no one can see this because they're not on the Zoom call with Annabelle and I, but your whole face like lit up as you were talking about not only in, the impact it's having on other people, but the impact it's having on you. I, like that was just like, <laughs> it was really beautiful. And also I have someone similar in my family who listens religiously and people on the podcast, they know I talk about her all the time. My Nana, she's 83 years old. She's a badass. She's just like the coolest grandma you've ever met. Like that's how I think. I mean, it's my grandma. Like obviously I think of her that way. <laughs> But it's similarly a learning experience for her. She doesn't do this as much anymore because now I have like, this is like what, episode 39 or 40? I think this is episode 40. So it's a lot for her to listen to. But she used to call me every week and be like, here's what I think. And I'm like, I didn't ask, but thank you. Like, I really (laughs) thank you. And it's a learning opportunity for her. Like she was listening. I remember this. She listened to Lex's episode on being trans in grad school. And she was like, I didn't know anything about this. And she was like, I don't know if I understand it, but it's interesting. And I'm like, you're 83. Like you're doing your best. She's not, she's not like, I mean, a lot of 83 year olds, I think are bigots and kind of racist. <laughs> she really isn't. It's just like, I don't think she's ever met a trans person in her life. So mm-hmm. she was like, this was a new experience. And I'm like, if your mind is open and you're thinking that God bless you, like good. <laughs> So it sounds like your podcast and the pod, not yours, but the LGBTQ plus STEM cast has been really impactful for those listening. And so what are some of the things that y'all talk about in terms of like what it means to share stories and like how your identity as, an, as a queer person, as an LGBTQ plus person interacts with research and science? Like what are some of the things that people generally discuss? Yeah. Uh, I think we usually kind of start out the same way as you, where we start talking about research, because I think that's what people are usually most comfortable talking about is the research, especially if it's their first time on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that they've like kind of been trained to talk about. (laughs) And then once we get into the groove of it, we kind of delve into two topics that they're really interested in. So that can range for anything from like being queer or being a person of color or something related to STEM or just like completely like not 
that. So mm-hmm. we've had a bunch of people talk about like queer sports, which is super awesome. Oh, like queer ultimate frisbee, queer rugby. We've had people talk about like the importance of science communication or mm-hmm. traveling and being queer, stuff like that. Um, so it really ranges from person to person. And I think that that's really awesome. And some of the most valuable episodes for me have been those that like I can really relate to. So like identities that people share. So not to not to brag or anything, but we got <laughs> Darian Nguyen lab shenanigans oh, on our I podcast. I know. I know about <laughs> it. I was so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I was so jealous. Um, he was so awesome. And we got to talk about how our Asian American identities affect our queer identities and how it affects like how media representation affects our perspectives on ourselves. And that was just so cool because I got to get this really interesting perspective from him, especially since he's so social media based. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has just been super cool. I'm minored in women and gender studies, specifically looking at Asian American identities. Wow. And just right. Yeah. So it was like just right in my niche. And I was like, oh, I love I love being able to like perceive this with other people. But yeah, it's just like a whole range of different stories, which I think is just so beautiful and interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is such a cool, unique, like you said, niche that y'all are filling. Although I say niche, like, is it a niche? Like, so how many people, my stepmom always says this, she's like, everybody under 30 is at least bisexual. That's like her line. Uh, Because like, I think all of my siblings at some level are. So I I think she just starts saying that now. But it's, it is a niche, but so many people as we, as the world become more open and, and understanding, are exploring their gender identities, are exploring their sexual identities and realizing, hey, this like little tiny cisgender heterosexual niche, that's the really, I feel like more of the niche, maybe doesn't fit me. So you're in a niche, but I don't really think it's that small. And I think that it's really incredible that you have conversations like this. I'm going to link that episode below because I think just hearing you talk about that has probably intrigued at least a few people. So it's going to be linked to the description for people to listen to. So I'm going to flip the script. And I want to ask you what you normally ask your guest. Tell me a little bit about how your identity is either interacting with your work or like what it means to be a queer scientist to you. I think that being queer and being in shark sciences is actually a lot more similar than you think. I've actually kind of had this conversation with another like a trans shark scientist friend of mine. We talked about how being queer, you know, the way that the media portrays your way that general society portrays you is as kind of like this sometimes evil thing. And that leads a lot of queer identities to be like largely misunderstood. Mm. And the same can be said about, you know, sharks and their narrative in society. And I think that's why I've been so drawn to shark sciences is that I share this kind of like aspect of identity with these sharks where it's like, I'm trying to help sharks be less misunderstood. I'm trying to understand these sharks, whether that's understanding where they're going or just understanding why they do the things that they do. And I'm trying to communicate that to the general public to try to shed light on the positive aspects that sharks and rays have. And so I don't think that a lot of, you know, straight cis folks have that same kind of shared experience. And that 
like for me, I feel like I bring in a different perspective when it comes to especially communicating my science and communicating sharks stories. I think that it's it drives my passion for for research too. It's really cool. I'm not going to lie. And this is going to sound as dramatic as it is, but I feel like that was the deepest shit I've ever heard in the best way. <laughs> that was you answered that in not a way that I was expecting and by the end of it I was like so sold. I was like, "Oh my god, studying sharks, trans, understanding the positives." I was like so there with you. I didn't know where you were going at first, and then you took me there and I was in it. So I was oh like God. sold. That was so, wow. I'm like absorbing it still. <laughs> and like the best, honestly, in the best way, I'm like, that makes so much sense to me. You know, it's interesting because being in the field of psychology, I can very easily relate to what I'm doing. Like once I take one step mentally, you know what I mean? Like I'm studying humans. I'm there. So it's, it's interesting when I hear people talk about other things that they research. Like this kind of reminds me, for whatever reason, of my episode with Brittany Hockey, and she does glass research. And I was like, cool, but I like I don't get it. And and then they explained why. And I was like, oh, I get it. And so hearing you talk about your connection with sharks is it's more than just, oh, sharks are cool. Like it's way, way, way more than that. And I'm just like, I need to open my mind apparently. Like <laughs> I'm like, wow, like there are so many reasons to research something. I don't know. I just like felt I just felt really impacted by that. Like I'm feel I feel different. I feel like I'm different. Oh, you're changed. You've changed. I'm different. I am. I've ch- I feel like I've grown. Like you just saw some like mental evolution. Thank you for being part of that. You're so welcome. <laughs> so I know that before we started recording, you did talk about like it's not like being queer in science has been the easiest. I don't think it's easy for anybody to be queer in science. At least maybe it's easier now, but there are a lot of awful people um, in academia. Welcome to the podcast about that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your experiences or like difficulties that you've had in academia, science, et cetera, with being queer. Um, I know that you have a story that you were wanting to share about that. Yeah. So when I was an undergrad at USD, I found it or I helped found this organization, this student-led organization called QSTEM, which is basically queer students and allies and faculty in STEM. And obviously we were trying to fill this, fill this niche once again of everyone knows everyone in the queer community and the STEM fields here at USD. Right. How can we connect them all together? So we made this student org. And I eventually took that over as president once the president before me graduated. And then, like I said, I also organized this semesterly storytelling event. And I guess I was known for that event because I would tell my coming out story at uh, freshman orientation every year. And so like, this was the first time that like a lot of queer students were also ex- like seeing another queer student at a like huge event that they were required to attend um, at a religious like university. And yeah. like my goal for telling my coming out story every year, even though it's like kind of embarrassing, was to just like make sure that like queer students knew that there were like other queer students on campus. Basically. I love that they let you do that. Right. At this religious, like <laughs> freshman orientation at a religious university. Yeah. I don't know if like People, like, I don't know if admin knew that this was happening. Nice. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> like, it was required that all the freshmen attend, but I don't know if, like, any, like, actual, like, higher-up admin were present to see this happening. Honestly, um, you're doing God's work. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're so welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, 
needless to say, I was pretty like visibly queer on campus. Also like, look at me, you can like tell I'm queer. Um, <laughs> but there at the beginning of my senior year, which was, this was around like October of 2019, there was a really bad hate crime that happened on campus towards a trans student uh, where mm. their door got vandalized and it was like super like bad. This was like the first time in like my time at USD that an LGBTQ plus related hate crime happened, like targeted at a specific student. Obviously it was, I was in this weird place where I was trying to process my own like emotions and my own grief, so to speak, of like also being non-binary and like having this like freshman victim survivor um trying to support this survivor and their work trying to support the whole like mm-hmm. overall usd queer community in action but also mm-hmm. in processing their emotions but wow. like processing my own emotions at the same time but also feeling really helpless because i did not everyone was moving too fast for my emotions to process. Everyone was thinking about action, but I was still on the processing step. And like being a student leader and being like kind of a, yeah, being a student leader, it's hard to, to balance those two things out. Like how do I take care of myself while I'm trying to also take care of the community? And I think that a lot of, you know, queer people in academia have to really bear this burden too because it's like a lot of the times people who are queer and are in academia are also very visibly like a part of the change making that happens Mm -hmm. behind the scenes in academia whether that's being on like diversity committees or like trying to do this unpaid labor to advance the field towards more inclusive like spaces Mm. and it just like kind of sad because we don't have time to celebrate ourselves within our fields or process our emotions on our own pace. It's always kind of the, we have to keep up and catch up to wherever everyone else is because we're also simultaneously trying to lead this action too. Yeah. Like the pace of progress. Yeah. And so that's where, that was kind of my like my realization point of like, this is the responsibility that I've taken. This is like actually the reality of what it's like to be someone who's an activist, but also a student or also an academic. Like this is something that I'll probably have to experience for a really long time if I want to continue to do activism work. And, you know, I continue to do activism work, so it's not like that changed my my stance on, like, how I want to proceed throughout academia, but it's still, like, a huge emotional burden, especially for folks who've been in, like, the field for years. I can't imagine. You know, I had, like, kind of a sense of what the story was going to be when you're like, yeah, something went down, didn't happen to me. It's really interesting. The word that popped into my head while you were talking was sacrifice. And as academics, right? I feel like we do a lot of sacrificing of our own well-being for our work. But this layer of like, I I don't even know what to call it, not like emotional sacrifice, but the way that you use the word grieving, like kind of hit me. And I'm 
not trans. I'm very cisgender. However, I'm Jewish. And when I was in college, there was an experience where the Jewish fraternity got vandalized with swastikas because that's like the, the cool new thing to do now. And I had a really similar, I was like working at Hillel, which is like the campus Jewish, one of the campus Jewish organizations. And I had a really similar feeling that I've never been able to put into words until you just talked about it like this, because it was the fall that I was applying to grad school, which was fall of senior year. So same timing. Yeah. And this went down and I was on a leadership board and it was like so many things in my life were going 50 miles an hour. I couldn't stop to think about any of it. And like, I couldn't. I couldn't sit with the fact that I was scared because I had to just move forward. Like I had to just be one of those people speaking out about it. And I was part of a sorority at the time. I don't want to talk about that trauma here. As I'm hearing you talk, I'm just really relating to the like, I can't grieve. I have to push forward sort of for the cause. I mean, that sounds weird to say, but like doing that in an academic space, like I was still applying to grad school. and I just like did it like it wasn't happening. And I had to like separate my mind. And so Hearing you talk about like feeling grief, feeling like you wanted to go slower but couldn't, I can't understand that in a trans or queer sense because I have not experienced that side of it. But as like in a human sense, in a way of like identities held and things like that, I just like really felt what you said. And it really made me reflect on the ways that as people with certain identities who either choose to be active about that or just open about that. We have to make sacrifices for those choices. It's just like very, I don't know, I just got really deep, but I just like that was very relatable to, to me in a way that I was not expecting as you were started talking. Yeah. And I think like one of the like hardest things about that experience for me is that I remember, I remember I was walking home from class and it was like a 10 minute walk and, I, and the sun was setting. And I remember just thinking to myself like, Everyone knows I'm queer <laughs> as I'm walking home. And that was like the first time I felt unsafe on my campus. Mm. I was like, mm-hmm. everyone knows I'm queer because I told my coming out story and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, no, no, no. Everyone knows I que- I'm queer because I look like I'm queer, like visibly. I am very queer. And it was like, it made me want to not be proud of my identity anymore. I was mm. just like so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the first times I felt like I didn't want to be out on campus anymore. And oh and man, it really to that me, one. Yeah. I don't know. It just makes me feel so icky. <laughs> yeah. I, I have actually since now that I'm thinking about it, I talked about this on a couple episodes ago. I think that's when I stopped wearing my Jewish star necklace around. And like, I, I had an episode with Noor Sharif. I'll link it below talking about her experience being, being Muslim in grad school. And how she wears hijab and is visibly Muslim, just as you are, like you said, visibly queer, that like I've chosen not to and like the privilege that I've like leaned into and how it feels icky, but I could. So I did for my safety is like a very, it's really messed up in my head. (laughs) But again, you're just kind of relating to that. Like I, I totally, totally understand what you're talking about, about that sense of like, am I safe existing as I am? And like what that means, like it's wild. Yeah. And it's also really impacted how I've been applying for or thinking about applying for PhD programs because it's mm. also like, where am I going to be safe, first of all? 
Like where, where am I going to feel comfortable? And not to like add another layer to that, but as a person of color, that's Mm. like even more important to me now, especially with all of these hate crimes going around with the Asian American community. Yeah. I mean, these are hate crimes happening so close to my home too, like in California. Mm. So Mm -hmm. seems like nowhere is safe (laughs) at this point. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people who hold marginalized identities that they don't visibly show at all times are not choosing to show them for safety reasons. Like, I'll be honest, I do feel like an asshole, not, I don't want to say out and proud, but like people know that I'm extremely liberal, but I don't walk around wearing a Jewish star necklace. I don't walk around with, you know, the bisexual flag tattooed on my body or like on every piece of shirt that I wear, you know, with a little like pin, like, hi, I'm bi or something like nothing. I don't do that. Oh my God. I feel like I need a pin that says that now though. (laughs) Who makes enamel pins? Hit me up. Um, But I don't do that. And I think it's really, I, there's a lot of shame in that for me. And I wish that there were more people who held marginalized identities that all of which like aren't visible and not leaning into that or leaning into that and having that be a safety thing as as opposed to like a shame thing. Like, I don't want to feel ashamed that I'm choosing safety, but like I definitely do. And it's a very weird thing. So everything you just said is like just getting my wheels turning about it. I've just related to what you said on like so many levels that I like really wasn't expecting. I know that you're like, you're watching my wheels turn and I'm like, really funny. I know. It's really interesting. No, no, I think it is funny because I'm like, you're watching me process and I have, I've gone in like seven directions and I'm not sure where I came from or where I'm going either, but here we are. But I'd really appreciate you sharing that story and like the complexities that come along with being an activist and holding that identity in academic spaces and in academia, especially as it relates to what you talked about earlier with your connection to your research. Yeah. And it's it's like really interesting because this is the first time I've actually like talked about this publicly and it's almost been two years since this event happened. Wow. And like I just never felt like comfortable, I guess, because I don't think I ever actually ended up like finishing processing the emotions that were happening. I think I kind of put an like, you know, like an expiration date on when my emotions would end. I would be Mm. like, okay, I'm going to this conference in Hawaii. That's going to be like when I stop grieving, (laughs) I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to have a good time. And then once we come back, it's like nothing ever happened. We're just going to like keep going Mm -hmm. with it. And I think that really ties into, into my, like, how I've been socialized as an Asian American person of, like, sweeping things under the rug, model minority myth kind of thing. Mm. And, and in a way, it's how I've also been such an, a good activist, I would say, mm-hmm. almost, because it's like, I have this ability to not process emotions because of the way I'm, I've been socialized, which is really sad, but also the truth which is just yeah just really interesting like I see this in a lot of older Asian American activists too where they just have this ability quote-unquote to just move on and detach themselves from what's whatever they're organizing for Mm. and in a way that protects them and like I don't want to be like that Mm -hmm. but it's a way that's productive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just some yeah, that's also yeah. something I'm still I mean, like working through. <laughs> see, this is where I get nerdy because I do research with emotion regulation. 
So being a psychologist, I love hearing your experience with this because the first thing that comes to my mind, right, is like, that's like, I mean, that's like survival. That is how people can continue. And I mean, what you're describing is like what I'm familiar with as like a response to trauma, right? Of the like, the shoving it under the rug. And when we think about like emotion regulation and like coping with emotions, like there's there's a lot of different sides. If anyone's a psychologist and you feel differently about where the theory is on this, please don't come for me. But avoidant coping is usually what we go with because it's easier. It is so much easier to not deal with an emotion than it is to deal with it. For some people, most people, that builds up over time. If slowly, you may not ever have effects of it, but like you'll have moments like this where like, wow, I'm not dealing with that emotion. That's okay. So I guess I just like want to like give you some validation that like that makes a lot of sense. and. To say that, like, I think it just means you're doing your best to do what you can for your community while, like, I don't want to say taking care of yourself because, like, we know in the long run, like, we should try to deal with our emotions to, like, be most mentally helpful. Like, I think everyone knows that. And yet, it's again back to that sacrifice piece. I don't know. It's just, like, super, super, I've said the word interesting so many times. I'm going to cut half them out. Y'all who are listening, I'm sorry. But you know I repeat myself 50 times when I'm, like, in this existential place. And Annabelle took me there, and I won't apologize for their behavior. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it is interesting. I don't think there's like another word to really encompass. Like, thank you. <laughs> so much validation today <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> we validate each other. <laughs> it's really beautiful, though. I want to ask you one more question before we get to final thoughts because this was something that I feel like I learned from Lex's episode. Again, that'll be like below about being trans in grad school. I would love to hear your favorite part about being queer in science? Hmm. I think that the thing that I love is the people I've met, the friends that I've made along the way. It's all about. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind is the opportunities that I've had, especially one person who specifically comes to mind is Jada Elcock, who is at Sophistication on Twitter, on TikTok, and on Link Instagram. Below. Yes. Jada, I have literally admired since I started following her. She's an excellent science communicator. And um, she was on our podcast too. And I actually met her through an opportunity that I had where we got to be co-panelist on this science communication event for sharks. And I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity and I wouldn't have met her if I were not queer because they were looking specifically for queer and people of color scientists. And I really value mine and Jada's friendship. I think that she's super cool. And I think, I don't know why I'm suddenly just fangirling about Jada. No, I love it. Um, I love it. I had, I had a point with this. Uh, and I think that she's been doing some super awesome things. Like uh, she co-founded MIST, which is Minorities in Shark Sciences. I've been a part of that. And that's just opened up so many other doors too, of like different opportunities of people who, who want to show their students K through 12 or university level that women of color can do science too. And even though I'm not exactly a woman, I still am a part of that group because non-binary people can be in that group too but um I don't know if tangent is happening um are you kidding have you seen me talk in a single straight line this whole episode <laughs> no you just go wherever you're going it's gonna be great bottom line is I have met so many amazing people and I don't think I would have been able to 
meet so many amazing people or it would have been harder for me to like no, there's cool straight people exist too. But. Oh, yeah. They need a little bit of love sometimes. <laughs> but queer people are so much cooler. Yeah. And, and they're so much more like, I feel like we're so much more in tune with ourselves and so much more passionate about, no. <laughs> Not bashing on I hear what you're today. saying that there's a sometimes a different level of understanding for different reasons into your passions. Yes, thank you. You have a different kind of connection to your work because of your yeah, it just hits different, person. you know. It, it hits, hits different. That's all it is. And I think that's what makes my friendship, especially with Jada, so valuable is that I can relate to her on so many different levels and like just be a shark scientist but also be so many like other things with like with her especially because Mm -hmm. she's just she just happens to be in my field Uh, I think that was the bottom line I was getting to like yeah it's yeah it just hits different I don't know (laughs) I love it I feel like that encapsulates it really perfectly and I also feel like I lied because I have one more question for you oh go ahead Um, because I'm really good at counting that's how I got into my PhD program ask Um, as many questions as you would like (laughs) well uh We are getting to the end of the episode, which is why I should cut down my questions, but I just thought of another one that I think is impactful and important because I think that we have really taken a deep dive into identities held and experiences after you've told the story of what you sort of peripherally but very directly experienced on your campus. If that, you know, if you have any like words of wisdom or if you just have anything that you would want a queer person out or closeted listening to this episode to just hear from you, like pieces of advice or some words of wisdom about being queer in academia. Yeah, this goes kind of back to the feelings I was experiencing following that hate crime. And I won't forget, like my career counselor and I were are very close. We because we share queer identities and she is, she was just super awesome. Um, So when this happened, I was feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, not like surprisingly, it was actually very surprising to me because I was like, everyone else is moving at such a fast pace and I can't catch up, but I'm so visibly queer. I shouldn't feel this way. Like Mm. this is something that like I, this is something I'm an expert at, I guess, is right. what I was. You feel thinking. like I'm prepared for yeah. it. Like I'm, I've I'm, been, like I've been out since since high school. This is something that I should be prepared for, and that mm. I should know what to do. I should know the next steps. And so I was kind of beating myself up for that. And my career counselor was like, "That sounds a lot like imposter syndrome, you know? Like, have you ever stopped to think about how maybe everyone experiences?" identity differently I guess and I was like huh that's a really good point. a really good point my first thought is like because you're so deep you're so you understand your identity and you're sharing it I, I almost think because of that of course it hits deeper you know because you're so in tune with it it was like a direct violation a direct attack on what you hold so deeply like yeah like I get I totally get it yeah yeah and I guess my advice to all of the queer folks, whether that you're out or you're, you're still trying to figure yourself out would be, you know, this is your own journey. This is your own identity. Like you can go at your own pace. You can go however, like however, whatever speed you want when it comes to processing your own identity, because it's your life and don't feel pressured to like be a part of every committee or Mm. be a part of like speaking out for 
every queer issue that happens because sometimes, you know, you just need to take a step back and you just need to take care of yourself and figure things out internally and just like be with yourself for a little bit, hang out with yourself for a little bit and just like figure it out. Self-love is so beautiful. Yeah. I also noticed that you didn't say the word closeted. Is that a word we're not using anymore that I need to learn about? Are we not saying I don't closeted? know. I just okay. like personally don't like it. Okay. But yeah. I'm learning about language all the time. So I just wanted to check because I noticed that you very specifically didn't say it. And I'm like, ooh, does Alana have something to learn today? Because she's ready. <laughs> she's ready. But okay. Good to know. Interesting. I get it. Yeah. I just don't like the rhetoric of like being yeah. in a box. Ooh. <laughs> say that. Ooh. I kind of like that. I also think that that's probably a word, like, as I think about it more, I'm like, it feels a little bit yuckier every time I think about it. So, cool. All right. Well, I did learn something. I really appreciate those words of wisdom and and that advice. And I really like that it was just, like, really self-loved and, like, self-compassion based that it just comes down to this place of, like, you don't need to learn about yourself or your identity at anyone's pace but your own. And... You don't have to be like model activists. You don't have to be like, oh, because I'm, I hold this identity, I have to be like the activist for this identity. I have to stand out in the front and like be this. And, and if I'm not, then this identity I hold will not be represented. Like you don't have to be the spokesperson, perhaps is the word I'm looking yeah. for. Like be whatever you can be and you don't have to be anything more than that. Yeah. With that, we are actually at the end of the episode, but I want to finish off like always with final thoughts, I told you this before we started recording, and maybe you didn't believe me, but we went a million places. I did not talk in a straight line because I have learned nothing being a podcast host. So because <laughs> of that, I want to give listeners something to remember. I want to give them takeaways, things that they should pull out of, you know, that they should take from this episode as they go on with their lives, especially now that it's the finale. It's the last takeaway. What are your final thoughts? What takeaways do you hope that somebody listening to your episode will remember? Take care of yourself. Listen to the podcast, Ooh. as in my podcast. <laughs> and sharks will give you infinite bragging rights. Uh, that is the absolute truth. You are 10 times cooler if you study sharks. <laughs> Amazing. Final thoughts from Annabelle. Sharks are cool as fuck. Study them. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> I, yes, I will link the podcast below. So I'm like, I'm 100% sure that anybody who is still listening to the episode right now is like, I need to go listen to that podcast because I feel like our conversation today about identity is a conversation that you pretty regularly have that y'all go listen. Uh, it's a great <laughs> podcast. I would say that my takeaways, good Lord, um, what did we talk about? My takeaways are really similar to yours, but I really liked your piece about like it hits different and I really liked your piece about pace I really like this idea of like whatever pace you go at like is okay and it just I, I just keep thinking back to the story you told about how like you you were grieving and you wanted to go slower but like you couldn't and just like how that's okay I don't know I feel like I'm I'm getting deep again, but like we're ending the episode, so I can't get too deep. But I don't know. I feel like that just really spoke to me. So like at whatever pace you are experiencing and grieving and feeling emotions with whatever you go through in academia, that like that pace is valid and like that's okay. And I think the other thing that I would love to have as a takeaway, because I'm really wanting to drive this home, is just like there's a lot of joy in being LGBTQ plus in academia. Like you said, it's the friends we made along the way. 
Which it was really like is, though. the perfect time to drop. I was living for that. <laughs> yes, so good. But I do think there's so much joy to be had. There's so many wonderful things about being queer in academia. And if you want to learn more about it, you should go listen to LGBTQ plus Stemcast, which, spoiler alert, I will be on eventually. So stay eventually, tuned yes. for that. Very soon, I think. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that would require that you and I get our shit together. And um, I'm not really good at that lately, but that's okay. Me either. So, hey, see, that works out really well. <laughs> eventually, I'll be there, y'all. You'll know about it when it's happening. But you know what? You know what? We're going to go at our pace. Yeah. That's what it is. We take our time with these things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Annabelle, thank you so much for your time. I know that it's very early where you are. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with me. I would love to remind everyone listening where they can find you, where they can find the podcast, where they can connect with you everywhere online and watch you stream. Uh, <laughs> where can the folks connect with you online? Podcast-wise, you can find LGBTQ plus Stemcast on Twitter and Instagram at LGBTQ Stemcast. We release episodes every Monday. Uh, I do alternate weeks with Felix. Uh, sometimes EO jumps in there. And then, yeah, for me, you can find me on Twitter at Annabelle Gong, A-N-N-A-B-E-L-G-O-N-G. And then you can find me on Twitch where I'll be streaming Pokemon. I'm playing Little Nightmares right now or might be over soon, actually, and a slew of other games when I feel like it at twitch.tv slash ablegames, A-B-E-L-G-A-M-E-Z. And yeah, I talk sharks there on, on there too, so. Sharks and games? Yeah, sharks and games. Sharks and games, that's your sharks next Twitch channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, Annabelle, thank you so much for coming on and being on the podcast. I'm just like so glad we finally made this happen because I was waiting until June to do this for Pride Month and you'd reach out to me and you're like, are we still doing this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, listen, we're still doing yeah, it. Yeah, you, you reached out to me in like December and you were like, hi. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you actually, <laughs> sorry, I'm just dying because I absolutely did slide into your DMs like, hi. <laughs> Oh and I was God, like, you know this too much. is cool. When are we doing this? And you were like, soon. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Literally, that's the experience. I I actually feel like that's all all like listeners' experiences because I'll be like, okay, so I'm going to do this thing. It's coming soon. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. Just stay tuned. That's like my line. Stay tuned. Um, but what I really mean is I don't know what I'm doing. Thank you. <laughs> But it works. Uh, but yes, I'm so glad that this happened. Thank you for your patience, but also thank you for joining me for Pride Month. I don't know. Maybe I'll put some things in the description like, uh, I don't know, Trevor Project or just like other places that if you want to throw money anywhere this month, that there are some really cool uh, LGBTQ plus organizations doing really amazing thing for queer kids and queer scientists. So I'll drop some of that below because... I love throwing money at, at queer things. Oh, yeah. We love throwing money. You can throw money at the podcast, too. Ooh. We've got a coffee. Also that. <laughs> you can throw money at Annabelle's podcast. You can throw money at my... We're queer. We are oh, queer yeah. places. Yeah, you, you can, can throw, throw money. money directly to us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you for that moment, uh, because I feel validated in also being like, podcasting is expensive. Thank you. <laughs> All right. But for the millionth time, Annabelle... Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest of Dear Grad Student for the season finale. Listeners, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you in August. Woo! Woo! Hashtag bye!
well, that's it. The end of episode 40 of the season finale of the first season of Dear Grad Student. As I said in the intro, be on the lookout for a special episode dropping on June 24th, the most important holiday of the year. And please know that this is nowhere near the end of this podcast. Not only am I going to be in grad school for years to come, yes, thoughts and prayers, there are still 75 people on my future guest list. And the podcast is going to be returning at the beginning of August with a very, very, very special guest. So, I will see you then. In the meantime, if you are looking for more ways to connect with Dear Grad Student, you can find the podcast online at deargradstudent.com, on Twitter at Dear Grad Student, on Instagram at Dear Grad Student Pod, and automated closed captionings for some episodes can be found on YouTube by searching Dear Grad Student Podcast. If you want to buy merch and rep it all summer long, you can find the merch at the merch tab on the podcast website, or you can search for Dear Grad Student on Redbubble. If you want to join the amazing group of people supporting the podcast on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash deargradstudent. If you just want to connect with me online, you can find me on Twitter at Alana underscore Gloger. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore G-L-O-G-E-R. And if you like what you heard today, tell your friends. Summer is the best time to catch up on all of the episodes before a huge, huge season start in August. Uh, You can also tell those undergrads that you're mentoring. You can tell undergrads who are interested in grad school. You can tell professors to send it to undergrads that they're mentoring. The possibilities are endless. And if you can, please rate, review, and follow your grad student on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, you know, wherever you find your other favorite shows. As a reminder, all resources and links mentioned in today's episode can be found in the description. And until August, warmest regards, best wishes, sincerely, Alana. Alana.